Fans got their first extended look at the projected starters, at least most of them for the Seahawks, in their 22-14 victory over the Cowboys in the second preseason game. Did they look ready for the regular season? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it all down on our latest Monday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team Every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for today's Monday episode by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Vancouver, Washington, or Vancouver, British Columbia. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks improved to 2-0 in the preseason with a 22-14 win. I got the score right correct today, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'm really excited about that. 22-14 win over the Cowboys at Lumen Field. We're going to dish out our Monday musings on offense and defense. Some in-depth takeaways coming out of that second preseason game. Going to be a jam-packed episode coming your way courtesy of BetterHelp. If you're looking at starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. Now for your lead story here on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Continuing their winning ways in exhibition play, the Seahawks held off a late comeback attempt by the Cowboys at Lumen Field for a 22-14 victory. Most of the game was played by second and third stringers as expected in the preseason. But Rob, we got to see Seattle starters at least a fair share of them for the first time and probably the only time that we will see them this preseason, including quarterback Geno Smith, who played two series. And the stat line might not be super sexy, five for six, 46 yards, one field goal resulting in those two drives. But at least in my opinion, I thought that Geno Smith looked just like he has throughout training camp. He was throwing accurately, crisp, with composure from the pocket, had pressure bearing down on a few times, hung in there tough, and made the throws you would expect from the reigning comeback player of the year. So while the numbers might not be super flashy, he only played two series, and the issues that they had really did not fall on number seven. He was throwing dimes just as you would expect, and he at least looked to me like he was in regular season four. No, I have to 100% agree with you. And uh, I thought that the, the Seahawks passing game just in general looked pretty darn impressive, whether it was Geno Smith, whether it was Drew Locke a little bit later in the game. I mean, Holden Aylers made some some beautiful throws as well. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Corbin, the, the, you know, there was not all of the starters for the Seahawks. You, you never saw DK Metcalf. You never saw Tyler Lockett on the field. You didn't see Kenneth Walker the third. And, and Dallas didn't start most of their, their starters in this game. However, you mentioned Geno Smith's accuracy. To me, that was the most impressive thing of it. There was a, a particularly difficult throw, not for a huge game, but a throw to Jackson Smith and Jigba that uh, was basically like a quick out in layman's terms. And it is a timing route that Geno Smith has to throw with excellent accuracy. And uh, again, with timing, has to really be coordinated with his wide receivers for it to be effective. Otherwise, that's a pick six. And the, the degree of accuracy that 
Geno Smith showed on that particular throw. Uh, the you know the the first drive, which was a beautifully thrown ball, uh, Derek Young wasn't able to bring it down. It was very highly contested by the Dallas defensive back. Give them credit, but the accuracy from Geno Smith definitely was there. And as you mentioned, it's what we have seen throughout training camp. It's what we saw a year ago from Geno Smith. But to me, that is the biggest thing that I think Seahawks fans had to basically have some reassurance. Was last year Geno Smith a mirage or can the Seahawks rely on Geno Smith? Is he going to be a quarterback that now with the expectations that are there, is he going to be able to lead Seattle back to the playoffs? At least from what I have seen in training camp and now in the two preseason games, I think that that's an absolute yes. And that's why Seahawks fans should be pretty excited about this season coming ahead. Yeah, that throw that you were mentioning, Geno Smith was actually rolling out to his left, and that is a difficult throw. It's just a difficult off-platform throw for any right-handed quarterback to make. But for him to deliver that throw with anticipation and on time, as you mentioned, if you're just a tad late on that, it is a easy pick six for an NFL cornerback. And so that was, to me, the most impressive throw that he made. He had a 28-yarder to Jake Bobo, which, by the way, again, Jake Bobo, the footwork that he had there on that release to get open it just is mind-boggling that a guy that doesn't have great athleticism can go out and do that and shake and bake a little get open get separation and that's what he's able to do Geno Smith delivered a perfect strike to him for that 28-yard reception so I was really encouraged from what I saw from Geno and we talked about this last week Rob even though Dallas didn't play very many of their starters this was still a defensive line. They're second stringers. They've got a number of guys that could start in the NFL. Even a few of their third stringers could maybe push on a few teams in the league. They have a ton of depth in the defensive line. And the first couple plays, Zach Charbonnet got stuffed. So it looked like, oh boy, here we go. The offensive line's not going to be able to get any push. And it turned out that those two plays really were a mirage after that point. I was blown away by the way the interior offensive line, in particular, Evan Brown, I think that this was the game with Oluwatimi not playing at all. It feels like the job is already his, but this was the moment where Evan Brown said, this is my job. He dominated Mozzie Smith, Dallas's first-round pick, on multiple plays, including Charbonnet's 29-yard run. He was able to reach block Mozzie Smith and get him turned inside, and that created that huge running lane for Zach Charbonnet. Phil Haynes had a couple nice blocks against Mozzie Smith as well. Abraham Lucas looked really good in the run game. Really the only blemish was Charles Cross giving up a sack to Sam Williams that ended the second drive that ended with a field goal. But otherwise, I thought the O-line after those first two plays looked pretty darn good, especially Evan Brown and Phil Haynes in the middle. And that's got to be really encouraging heading into the regular season when, oh, by the way, your first test is Aaron Donald and the Rams. Yeah, and you know me, Corbin. I mean, I we always try to focus in on the positives here, and generally you and I see things from very similar lenses. But I'll push back on this one a little bit and just kind of remind everybody out there that this was largely Dallas's number twos along that defensive line. There was no Micah Parsons. There was no Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, you know, and you know, and still Seattle struggled a little bit in pass protection. You, you mentioned the sack that uh, the Charles Cross gave up to Sam Williams. Sam Williams basically ended Drew Locke's night against Stone Forsyth, and it was a quick move that was able to get by Stone Forsyth for that particular sack as well. Now, Sam Williams is a terrific football player. 
Osa Odigazua, uh, which I probably just mispronounced, and I apologize, um, for the Dallas Cowboys is another penetrating defensive tackle um, that also had some pretty splashy plays against Dow or against Seattle's offensive line. But that said, again, Geno Smith just showed the poise that, you know, frankly, I don't know that we can really should be able to expect from him considering how long of a layoff he had. Obviously, he was a superstar for the Seahawks a year ago, but it, it just that to me is where I've been most impressed by Geno Smith, where I was most impressed by Seattle's passing game just in general, is that it almost felt like that even when he has a pass rush ahead of him, he has such confidence in his offensive line that he is willing to step up into the pocket. He is going to keep his eyes downfield. And so while, again, I would caution Seahawks fans that that think that this was the true Dallas Cowboys that the Seahawks beat uh, on, on Saturday night. At the same time, a, a win is a win. It's going to breed confidence. And uh, again, I think that the Seahawks have some improvements that they still could make along the offensive line. But I would 100% agree with you on the point that you made about Evan Brown. I, you know, I, I think that Evan Brown is going to be a solid starter for the Seahawks. I don't think that he's going to be a difference maker. But I saw enough communication. I saw enough quickness. I saw enough power uh, to suggest that. I do think that the Seattle's offensive line, that starting five, should be a good enough one for Geno Smith to be able to duplicate, maybe even build upon last year's success. Yeah, they only scored three points with Geno Smith in the lineup and most of their starters. Tyler Lockett actually, I think, was only out on the field for one play and he caught a, a ball along the sideline. But if you weren't paying close attention, you would have thought that he didn't play because it literally was a split second and then he was back in the sideline with a cap and smiling, just like you expect in a preseason game. But We'll get a chance to talk about the defensive side of the football here later in the show. It was more of a mixed bag with the starters. Even though you only got three points, it did feel like there were a lot of positives to glean with the way that the offensive starters played for the Seahawks. And a couple plays going their way, they might have put 14 points on the board. They had several nice plays in those two drives. So felt like they are ready for the start of the regular season. Defense, it might be a little different story, as we'll discuss here coming up later on our Monday edition of Locked on Seahawks. Coming up next, we're going to dish out our Monday musings starting on offense. It wasn't just Geno. Plenty of great play at the quarterback position in the backfield as well. Maybe a few question marks about what's going to happen without the big play, but we're going to get to some takeaways, some in-depth stuff coming out of yesterday's, or not yesterday's, coming out of Saturday's win over Dallas. We'll get to those here in a moment on Locked on Seahawks. Now for a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be full of twists and turns that throw a few wrenches at you when you least expect it. So it's important to show yourself through it all and put a focus on your mental health. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself, and BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash locked on you're listening to the monday edition of locked on seahawks this is your host corbin smith glad to be joined as always by my co-host in crime rob rang and a special thanks to all the 12s out there for making locked on seahawks your first listen five days a week we greatly appreciate it for our everydayers we're gonna have our first tell the truth tuesday coming up tomorrow as we gear into 
regular season mode. And we will have our mailbag. We are going to do that today, but there's so much to talk about coming out of that preseason win. We will tackle your questions on a special Tuesday mailbag. That'll be coming up tomorrow. Make sure that you are listening in. Speaking of that preseason game, the Seahawks moving to 2-0 in exhibition play, a 22-14 win over the Cowboys at Lumen Field. And we just talked about how the starting offensive unit looked with Geno Smith out there. They only got three points. What a boot by Jason Myers, by the way, a 57-yard field goal to put the first points of the game on the board. But it really felt like the first-team offense, the players that did play, there were enough splashes that they looked regular season ready. But really the tale of this game, Rob, was that the quarterback play was great, not just with Geno Smith, but another fantastic performance by Drew Locke. And I don't know that Pete Carroll could have gushed any more about Holton Aylers after the game as well. It felt like all three quarterbacks brought their A game in this one. Yeah, that to me was one of the most exciting things and one of the, the takeaways that, that I had of this game, just because, again, you know, anybody who's been listening to our podcast for the last year or so, and as you often say, Corbin, thank you, thank you for, to all of those who are listening. You know, I really believe that Geno Smith was going to win this job a year ago, and credit to Geno Smith, but the talent that Drew Locke has, I think that everybody who is watching these games can see it. You can see the accuracy. You can see the arm strength. You can see the pocket mobility. Uh, you know, you can see the athletic ability, being able to come back from the injury. That, that the, the hit that he took from Sam Williams with his front leg posted out there, that is an athletic play to be able to kind of come back from that type of an injury. So th there are some things that are really exciting about what we saw from Geno Smith, the, the, the flexibility that the Seahawks have, should they have any type of injury problem with Geno Smith, that then they do have a quality backup already in place. And then, as you mentioned with Holton Aylers, I mean, we're, we're talking about completely different type of quarterback than what Geno Smith and Drew Locke are. I mean, for one, he's a left-hander, and two, he's got the the mobility that it just makes him a, a true dual threat. Um, and so, I, you know, it's kind of a Tim Tebow light. I think there's a reason why he wears number 15 out there, at least from a style perspective. He's very similar to Tim Tebow, and a lot of people might kind of scoff at that. But as I've always kind of thought with Tim Tebow, that he may be the least accurate quarterback in the NFL. I think he's got to kind of flip your mentality. He might be the most accurate running back in the NFL. And as more and more teams start to run these, you know, kind of dual threat kind of quarterback option routes and, and offenses, then I think a guy like Holt Naylor's not only can give Seattle a little bit of a different look should they decide to keep him during the regular season, but also in terms of preparing for opponents that have running quarterbacks. You want to compete against the Dak Prescotts, the Jalen Hurts, the Kyler Murrays of the world. It's a lot easier to do so when you have a quarterback on the practice squad or on your active roster, if that be the case, that is able to actually give your defense a look during the week of practice. So I, I think that, as you mentioned, Pete Carroll gushed about Holton Aylers. And I thought that, you know, his poise, his ability to, to run the ball is one of the reasons why the Seahawks did run away with this game, you know, so to speak, um, and was able to cement this, this victory for them. So again, there are an awful lot of encouraging things from the quarterbacks. As I mentioned before, I was very impressed with, with Jackson Smith and Jigba and the, the, just the precision of the route in which he ran, as I mentioned before, would have loved to have seen him be able to house that, that big play, um, but love the, the concentration that he demonstrated on that catch, love the, 
the the quality of the route that we saw from Jake Bobo, who, as we've talked about so many times in the podcast already, really does look like a player that's going to make this roster. I, I love that Cody Thompson was out there with the starters early on, just kind of confirming what we know about Cody Thompson, that he is also a very reliable route runner. So there was a lot of encouraging signs from the Seattle passing attack, Seattle's offense just in general, that I think, that, again, the Seahawks fans should be pretty excited about. Yeah, I would have loved to see Jackson Smith and Jigba get into the end zone. And I just had to laugh when Drew Locke after the game was like, yeah, I actually ran into him at Chipotle earlier. And maybe that's why he didn't score is that he had a Chipotle for his pregame meal instead of what he normally does. But, you know, the other thing, much more on a serious note, that jumped out with Drew Locke, you can see it on the field right now. The decision making is just so much quicker than what it was for him last year. Even in a couple of years in Denver, he constantly had new play callers there and new offenses he was trying to learn, new receivers he's trying to break in. It was not an environment that was suited well for a young quarterback to try to develop. And he's now in Shane Waldron's system for a second straight year. Even though he didn't get to play any regular season snaps last year, he got all those practices, all that extra time after practice to work on his craft. And he mentioned that he feels like every time he comes in the field right now, he can just drive the team down the field. And that's a feeling every quarterback wants. You can just see it with the confidence that he's playing with. And he's not forcing the issue. He's he's still slinging the ball downfield. I mean, he averaged almost 20 yards per attempt in this game. I mean, he is not afraid to let it fly, but he is making smarter decisions with the football. And I think it's a twofold thing. He's more confident just with the way that he's playing right now, but it's also that quick decision-making and understanding the scheme and feeling like he has complete command of it, something I don't think he ever had in Denver because there was constant turnover with their offensive scheme. And so you can see it on the field and just the way he's delivering the ball, and that's allowing him to accentuate all those physical tools that we've been raving about since he was coming out of Missouri. Those are only part of the package. you got to be able to run the offense and have confidence in running the offense. And he's been dealt a lot of bad hands in the NFL. So now you're seeing a guy at Pete Carroll saying he looks like a starter. He's looked like it the last two weeks. So it does give them an outstanding insurance policy. And then Holton Ehlers, I'm trying to remember what the movie is where the guy, uh, uh, unfortunately, I'm trying to remember the actor's name, but he passed away uh, a few years back. But where he's going, let it rain, and he's flinging the ball up to the backboard. That's Holton Ehlers throwing the ball up. Like Holton Ehlers is just going to let it rain, and there were a few deep balls that got away from him. He should have thrown a touchdown to Derek Young in the fourth quarter, and that ball got away from him. But then there were also several really nice throws that he made, particularly in the intermediate game. And his ability to run the ball, he doesn't look like a 4-9 guy. And the numbers he put up at East Carolina running the football, he is a locomotive. When he starts getting rumbling downhill, that is a quarterback you don't want to tackle. So he just brings a lot different, uh, many different elements to this offense. Now, for me, you've talked so much about the passing game. And it's fitting, Mr. Running Back, Espinato, myself, I'm going to talk running backs. How about Zach Charbonnet? And I know that he got stuffed his first two runs. That wasn't on him. The blocking was not there. But once the offensive line was able to create just a little bit of room, you saw that explosive 29-yard run. And this is what I'm excited about. He did not get very many opportunities to pass protect at UCLA. That was not his role. He had two pass protection reps where he came up and stuffed a blitzer had really good technique. You could see the mentality, the physicality 
just across the board, two really good reps in pass protection. That was my biggest question mark for him coming into the NFL. Is he going to be able to handle that? So does that open the door for him to be the third down back? And you could potentially just have this be a one-two punch, Ken Walker third and Zach Charbonnet and the other two backs just get sprinkled in occasionally because that looked to me like a very capable third down back. We know he can catch the football. We know he can run the football hard and run through guys and has really good speed, can maybe not the home run hitter that Walker is, but he's capable of getting big chunk plays. And we saw that with that 29 yard run. So for me, that was one of my big takeaways, the offensive line opening up that hole, but I just, I loved the way that Zach Charbonnet ran the ball. And I especially loved the way that he pass protected, which I think is critical to getting on the field as a running back in today's NFL, even in Seattle where they love running the ball. They like to sling the rock too. You got to have running backs that can handle those duties understand the assignments, and bring the physicality to be able to handle linebackers or defensive linemen getting into the backfield and having to block them. I saw that in a small sample size, but I saw it from Zach Charbonnet. So I think there's a lot to be excited about. He looked every bit like the all-around back that you would draft with a second-round selection. Yeah, 100% agree with you. I think, you know, the the Seahawks had cameras inside their war room, uh, you know, when they made that selection and, and they caught Pete Carroll basically saying, yeah, take the highest rated player, which of course was Zach Charbonnet. And, you know, he he does play with the versatility. You mentioned the, the late great actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, you know, a, a moment ago. And it's that type of versatility that Philip Seymour Hoffman showed on the silver screen that I think the Zach Charbonnet showed you know appropriately enough and right outside of hollywood at ucla um you know just because as you mentioned i mean he he does have the ability to to pound the rock inside you, you saw the jets you saw the vision and again i love that you mentioned the pass protection there was a couple of blitzers from dallas and as i've not talked about it a moment ago i mean dallas was able to get some pass rush on seattle's quarterbacks so to see charbonnet be able to kind of check that box uh i think again it is a very encouraging sign and it's very similar to the conversation conversation we just had at the quarterback position clearly Geno Smith is Seattle starter but you feel really good about the insurance policy that is Drew Locke clearly the Seahawks started the running back position is Kenneth Walker the third what he demonstrated last year really does show that hey th this guy is going to be an absolute superstar in the NFL but Zach Sharpman is a really good football player as well as you expect of a second round pick but also as a guy that has the bulk to be able to kind of be that that touchdown vulture uh down low and, and that's what Seattle needed to have a little bit more toughness a little bit more physicality in that regard and I think in a little bit more consistency Rashad Penny flashed that of course as well but durability concerns were a big bugaboo for him you don't have that here with Charbonnet knock on wood and that's why again I think the Seahawks are going to be feeling very justified with the second round selection that they made on both those backs the last couple of years yeah, I think that it's really fitting. We talked about the offensive line earlier. I think it's fitting when you just consider the entire package that we saw in those couple drives. And I know Dallas did not play a number of their stars up front, but they still had enough good players out there that I feel like it was enough of a litmus test for these guys particularly the interior offensive line, to be able to see Evan Brown get that reach block on Mozzie Smith and manhandle him, to see Phil Haynes pancake Mozzie Smith at one point. It was not a good day for the first-round pick. He had a rough night. 
for the Cowboys. And it was because Seattle's offensive line made it difficult for him. And then Zach Charbonnet making those plays coming up in pass protection. We get to see some of the other running backs come in there. Uh, how about uh, Sir Roderick Thompson, another yeah. touchdown. And he had another big play taken away, came back and had a 20 something yard run later that didn't get called back by hold. So you got to like what things are looking like in the offensive line, at least the interior and the way that the running game is playing out so far. And that maybe gives you a little bit more hope going into the regular season. Maybe we don't have to rely so much on the big play, but certainly the big play is what drove the offense in this preseason game. When we come back, we're going to switch to the defensive side of the football where it was a solid effort, but maybe a little bit more of a mixed bag for the starters that did play in this game. We'll be breaking that down and much more as we continue our Monday musings here on Locked on Seahawks. And this episode is brought your way by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run of the day. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You're listening to the Monday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. For our everydayers out there, tomorrow is our first Tell the Truth Tuesday of the 2023 season as we go into regular season mode. Looking forward to dishing out some words of wisdom coming out of these first couple preseason games, heading towards the start of the regular season. And we'll be tackling your questions on our weekly mailbag. So make sure you are listening in. Let's continue our Monday musings coming out of Seattle's second preseason win, a 22-14 victory over the Cowboys at Lumen Field. This has been a very offensive-centric episode to this point, but there's plenty to talk about on defense, Rob. And Let's start with the starters in particular, and I know this is going to feed into something that you want to talk about, but this was a mixed bag for Seattle's defensive starters. If you want to start with the positives, it's got to be the defensive line as a whole. Jaron Reed with a drive-killing sack that forced the Cowboys out of field goal range. And boy, Mafe looked like Dikembe Mutombo out there swatting passes away. I was waiting for the finger waggle there towards the quarterback. Not today, good friend. But boy, Mafe continuing his, his fantastic training camp and preseason all over the quarterback, swatting passes away. Uh, Miles Adams, even with the second team defense, was blowing up runs. I mean, that front line, the guys that could start or the players that are going to be coming in and playing a lot of snaps, you got to see a lot of quality play from that front line and the pass rushers for the entire game. Yeah, just like I was very encouraged by Seattle's passing game on offense, I was very encouraged by Seattle's pass rush on defense. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the starters there, and you love to see the interior guys be able to get some of the pass rush. But I, I, I have to kind of give you credit, sir, because uh, you know you, you've been kind of you know touting Boye Mafe as a guy even before Pete Carroll started kind of you know bragging about him a little bit in the improvements that he has made you were mentioning him and, and Boye Mafe I thought was the best player on the field at times for the Seahawks at least on the defensive side of the ball and again 
it, it, we, we need to mention that, that Daryl Taylor wasn't on the field at all. Uchenna Nuosu, if he did play at all in this game, then it was he played a few for, snaps. Yeah, it's basically a Tyler Lockett kind of, you know, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll play for a snap or two kind of a thing. So, but still, to see the way that Boye Mafe was, was able to get consistent pass rush, was able to show the power that he demonstrated last year, even as a rookie in the running game, and then be able to show the awareness of when 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 backs were trying to chip him, when tight ends were trying to uh, get a quick chip on him, and get his hands up to be able to kind of tip passes away, as, as you referred to. That's all encouraging. To get the first sack from Derek Hall was encouraging. To see Levi Brown not only be the outside edge rusher, he lined up a lot as a defensive tackle um, against the Dallas Cowboys, and that is a team that, again, I was I, I was able to go to their training camp for a couple of days in Oxnard, California. And I really believe that the Cowboys have as formidable of an offensive line, not just their starters, but their, their second and third stringers as well. And, and to see Levi Bell be able to have the performance that, that he did, despite being moved in, in various different spots for the Seahawks defense. It's easy Tyreek Smith be able to make some splashy plays at, at the end of the game. Uh, you know, Jordan Ferguson made some splashy plays. It just felt like the Seattle's rotation is really what stood out in this game and along the pass rushers. And look, I, of course, every team wants to have a, a Nick Bosa or, or some kind of superstar, Aaron Donald, some kind of superstar that you can just chalk up for 12, 15 sacks for a season. But if you want to win a Super Bowl, then it's a little bit easier. The Seahawks have proven this to be true. It's a little bit easier to, uh, you know, to sustain over the course of a season if you have a rotation. And so that's the thing that to me was encouraging about this is, again, we know the Seahawks already have their starters or at least their top two or three pass rushers already basically set in stone. But to be able to see some encouraging play from a number of the, the guys who are fighting for roster spots on this club, to me, was very much the most encouraging thing from Seattle's uh, you know, perspective on the defensive side of the ball. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we have been talking Mike Jackson up since OTAs. He has had a fantastic training camp. Look, I'm going to be saying this to our listeners because there's going to be plenty of them like, but you guys have been saying that he's been playing really well. Like He has. He has been fantastic at training camp. Like That's not a fib. Nobody was lying. I mean, you watch the matchups with DK Metcalf. It has been exciting to watch, but he didn't play well the other night. In fact, I think you'd make an argument of all the starters that played in this game on either side of the ball. He had the roughest night because first he gives up a 36 yard reception to Jalen Tolbert. Now Pete Carroll pointed this out. It was underthrown. And sometimes that works against the corner, even though the throw didn't go where it was supposed to go. And Jackson wasn't able to get his head around, got tangled up, had a defensive pass interference call, got ended up offset by the fact that the receiver caught the football, but that one play by itself. Okay. You move on. But he also had two other first down conversions he gave up. And one of them was to Tolbert on a short little out route where it looked like he got turned into a pretzel on that play. Just athletically was not in a position to even be close to making a play on third down. And then he gave him a fourth down conversion that went for eight yards to an undrafted rookie. So it was a difficult night for him. Three receptions for more than 50 yards given up in this game. And all of them were obviously first down conversions, one of them being a fourth down. The tackling was fine. Didn't get picked on anymore after that. But it was a rough night for him, as rough as any starter for the Seahawks in terms of just getting picked on by Cooper Rush and Dallas's backup receiver. So 
I think he took a step back and he certainly opened the door up for Trey Brown maybe to win that job. And maybe the biggest winner was the guy that wasn't playing at all in this game in Devin Witherspoon, seeing what was going on in the field. It was certainly a rough night for Mike Jackson. Well, it was, but I think, again, as we talked about before with, say, Geno Smith, now that the expectations are there, I mean, Mike Jackson was basically a journeyman in, in the NFL prior yep. to this career resurrection a year ago, and now there's the expectation that he's going to come in and he's going to start 17 games for a playoff-caliber team. I don't know if the Seahawks expect that. I think that they like the way that he played a year ago, but there's a reason why you take a cornerback at number five overall, despite the fact that you had – arguably the defensive rookie of the year a season ago. So look, I mean, Mike Jackson's a good player. He is absolutely making this roster. Uh, Trey Brown, I thought, had a, a pretty impressive performance. I, I love the way that he baited Will Greer um, into the interception later on. But that cornerback spot opposite Rick Wollen is very much Devin Witherspoon's. And, and so, yeah, I think that as you and I watched the game side by side, uh, we, we kind of agreed that maybe the biggest riser from Seattle's uh, defensive performance wasn't even a player who was on the field. It was Devin Witherspoon, who I think that you just have to believe that, uh, you know, that, that Pete Carroll and the, the expertise that he has shown in developing defensive backs, that it's going to come through and that Devin Witherspoon is going to wind up being that starter on the outside. And that Mike Jackson, again, is a quality player, but but he is going to be there at Seattle's third or fourth or fifth corner, not necessarily the frontline starter that maybe his spectacular season a year ago suggests. Let's talk about what I believe is truly the mixed bag coming out of this. Because we've talked about the good. We've talked about the bad coming out of this game against Dallas. Now, I want to talk about a game statistically that it would look like it was good. The run defense, again, under 3.8 yards per carry. They held the Cowboys in the second half to just 24 rushing yards. 15 of, the, 15 of those came on a touchdown by Deuce Vaughn. So you take that play out of the equation, they shut Dallas's run game down and the Cowboys in part shut themselves down because they had to try to throw the ball to make up the deficit that they had in the game. But nonetheless, the stats have been really good. And here's the thing, Rob, it was illuminating last year. The, the Steelers ran for over 160 yards in the first preseason game against the Seahawks. The Seahawks gave up almost 120 rushing yards the next week to the Chicago Bears in a preseason game. They were stinking in the run defense department in the preseason last year so it ended up being some foreshadowing you can gain some things in the preseason even if it's not the starters playing a lot and I am encouraged by the fact that the Seahawks it seems like their run fits are much better and they are playing more as a unit defensively regardless of who's coming in it seems like scheme wise that they have made up a lot of ground compared to what they were last year but you have to wonder because of the competition that you're playing against just how much are these results the real deal and how much of it is a mirage? Because I have been really impressed with the defensive line, but what do they look like when they're playing starting offensive linemen in week one? What does it look like? And I just think that this is maybe the toughest thing out of these preseason games. You can be cautiously optimistic about it, and yet at the same time you're like, but you know, this might be something that we truly cannot evaluate at all until we get against the Kyle Shanahan ran offenses of the world that are going to be trying to run the football against us. 
Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, a Kyle Shanahan run offense and, you know, Dallas's third string offensive line is a very, very different animal. Um, you know, but at the same time, I was encouraged by what I've seen. I think that, as you mentioned, um, it just feels like Seattle from a schematic standpoint, it's just a little bit cleaner. I think that they, you know, frankly, just have some bigger, more physical tougher kind of guys. Uh, you know, I think a big part of that is Jared Reed, who, you know, played a little bit in this game, but there was a couple of defensive tackles for Seattle that I thought actually, you know, really played pretty well. I mean, Seattle's got a big guy, Matt Cotell, that I, I thought that held up at the point of attack, you know, pretty well. Uh, Roderick Perry, the second, I thought also made some splashy plays in this game. I mentioned the pass rushers before. I mean, Boye Mafe has continues to be able to hold up at the point of attack better than you'd expect of a 250 pounder who come into the NFL perceived to be at least a little bit raw. So those are all encouraging things. I think that, uh, you know, frankly, I, I've been impressed by, by some of Seattle's depth at inside linebacker. I didn't necessarily expect that to be the case. Obviously Bob, Bobby Wagner for anybody who watched the game knows that Bobby Wagner was not on the field. Obviously Jordan Brooks was not on the field, but Devin Bush, the free agent addition from the Pittsburgh Steelers, former first round pick, in my opinion, has been Seattle's hardest hitter over these first two preseason games. And so again, that's the physicality that I'm talking about, just the sheer want to desire that I think that it's critical that it's catching um, that you, you need to have that. I think that it's, uh, you know, encourages the rest of his teammates. And so that is what uh, I'm kind of looking for and why I think that, Again, as you mentioned, it you have to kind of you know weigh that. You take it with a grain of salt, the level of competition. But I also think that Seattle's scheme and Seattle's players both suggest that they should be able to uh, hold up against the run a little bit better this year than they did a year ago. And I think the thing that I was probably most encouraged from with the front seven was the tackling was much better in this game than it was in the first preseason game against Minnesota, especially the linebackers in the middle. Patrick O'Connell getting the start in this game. Devin Bush has not missed a tackle in the preseason. He had a very low missed tackle rate for Pittsburgh. So that's always been a strength for him, is when he does get to a guy, he tends to get him to the ground. And he's showing that he's being decisive. He's getting downhill. He's plugging run gaps. And he's making it very difficult for running backs to get and he had esteem downhill, and that was something they had an easy time doing last year. As Pete Carroll was talking about after the game, he, he's just happy with the way they're leveraging the football right now compared to the last couple of years. And so that is a big difference. On the other side of the coin, the tackling from the secondary was awful for good chunks of this game. And I don't want to pick on one guy, but I have to. Jarek Reed the second. I don't know what you're doing out there. Four missed tackles in the first two games a missed tackle rate of almost 50%. And again, it's a small sample size, but man, the, the missed tackle and Deuce Vaughn and his touchdown, there were a couple open field opportunities in the game that he missed out on. I had three missed tackles for him in this game. And Kobe Bryant has missed a handful of tackles. He's making big hits when he's delivering, but it almost looks like he's trying too hard to make those big hits. And so he's leaving some tackles on the field. So that would be the uh, non-silver lining here when we're talking about uh, we, we could call this the baby poop brown lining here for the Seahawks run defense that their secondary tackling was not good in this football game. But I thought the front seven, the defensive line, the linebackers thought did a really good job getting the football, gang tackling, getting guys down, especially in the second half. So there's a lot to be encouraged about. 
I'm sure there's plenty of things Pete Carroll's looking at like, oh man, week one though, we better be tackling better than that. We're going against Cam Akers and company, or we're going to have ourselves a rough season opener. So again, there might be some things that are legitimate that look real going into the season, but you got to wonder how much of it is a mirage with competition and, and just playing in preseason games. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, it's our first Tell the Truth Tuesday of the season, dishing out some words of wisdom coming out of these first two preseason games and heading into the final one against the Green Bay Packers at Historic Lambeau Field. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks!